The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. I'm Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and as always, I am joined by my lovely, beautiful wife and co-host, uh, Johanna, Latina, Locked and Loaded. How are hey. you doing this evening, my love? Excellent. Thank you for asking. All right. Well, uh, we got a lot of uh, different topics to talk to you uh, about tonight. We are going to start with uh, D.C. statehood and the implications that has. Uh, we're also going to move on to talking a little bit more about uh, constitutional carry in different states and states that are going to try to stop uh, constitutional carry. And then uh, move on to a couple of different topics, just discussing some of the events that happened earlier this week. But without further ado, we're going to get started with the Democrats' push to pass a D.C. statehood. So uh, if you did not know, this past Thursday, I believe, correct, Joe? Yep. Uh, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 51, aptly named, um, to try to push for the statehood of the District of Columbia. Uh, it passed along party lines 216 to 208. Now it has to go over to the Senate, um, where hopefully it'll die off because uh, the filibuster is still in effect. But uh, let's go a little bit further into that and some of the implications. And we'll also talk a little bit about uh, Puerto Rican statehood, since that would pretty much have similar effects and be a, a similar strategy. So, Joe, if you want to jump into that, sure. go for it. So, I'm going to talk about D.C. first or Puerto yes. Rico first? Okay, so mm -hmm. why would anyone really care about D.C. becoming a state? Um, historically, D.C. came to be when Maryland and Virginia both ceded land to create this District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. um, it was never intended to be a state. It was as the Founding Fathers had intended to be its own separate thing, its capital mm -hmm. area. Um, but what benefit could come of this small city sorts becoming 51st state? Well, if that were the case, it would be another way for the Democrats to seize power. Right now, I was just mentioning to Rolando when I was looking at the numbers in terms of, you know, Democrats versus Republicans in the House versus in, in, in the Senate. Mm -hmm. um, the way that you hear them, like how they express themselves on the news and, and in their reportings and, and their, their speeches and whatever, it seems like heavy-handed like yes there is a slight majority but they have a mandate to do things yeah. yes but it's like no this country is like it's hard to believe but this country is actually pretty evenly divided the way they talk and the way they push things you would think it was an overwhelming majority of this country had voted a certain way but it didn't mm -hmm. it's literally practically 50 50 yep. so and we're not even talking right now about presidential stuff because that's a whole sticky situation which we're not going to talk about mm -hmm. right now because that's been addressed before yeah. and by many people but we're specifically just talking about the senate and congress 
So what happens if DC becomes a state? Well, DC is well known to be very leaning towards a certain direction. Mm-hmm. If it were to become a state, what oh, would happen? Right we would have more Democrats automatically added to the pile and therefore throwing the balance that we currently have in a certain direction. Well, further in a certain direction. Further right in a certain now, direction, yeah. Right now in the Senate, it's already... Uh, it's a slight majority. Yeah. So... But um, Puerto Rico's been... It's been interesting because this is not the first time it's been done. Like, they pushed for this. I think D.C. last was seriously considered 30 years ago or something like that. Puerto Rico's actually the one that has been... Yes, no, maybe so. Back and forth, over and over and over again. I mean, as far as long as I've been dating you and I've... Yep. honestly cared about puerto rico because i love puerto rico it's like my home away from home mm-hmm. i claim it even though i am definitely not puerto rican <laughs> yep. um it's in the last like 10 years i've heard so many times that the island voting and voting and voting and you know that is constantly one of the the points when they're running for you know the political positions Mm -hmm. that's constantly one of the things that there's constantly debated in puerto rico whether or not to stay status quo go for statehood or become autonomous and i think there's a few other options that are less popular but there's definitely a push for independence independence. well that's that's, autonomous that's very yeah that's very um and there is negatives to all of them that's why it's such a debate but i believe in in when we were voting for our elections in november puerto rico was also voting now they don't vote for presidency they don't have that that's mm-hmm. not one of the that's one of the things they would gain if they became a state um but they in november 2020 they voted for statehood and the people voted for statehood so you're asking yourself the last like couple of elections and the last few that. elections they have voted for statehood so clearly the people want to be a state and i don't know why but that isn't an automatic thing. Congress here has to now approve it. Mm-hmm. So I believe it was not approved because it was a Republican well, majority. I, yeah, I think they, they've gone back and forth for various reasons. But it was something that was supported, again, by the Democrats. Why? Yeah. Because the island is predominantly left-leaning, yeah. which is pretty ironic. Well, it would be, it would be interesting. I, I'm not sure how Puerto Rico would work because... Puerto Rico's equivalent parties are don't necessarily align entirely align with the the Democrat and the Republican Party. They have some left leaning and right leaning issues a little bit on both. The uh, traditionally the Republican the Republican Party conservative leaning party wants to become a state, and the left leaning party wanted to maintain the status quo because they get, I guess, kind of certain benefits. So the way that Puerto Rico stands now is if you are, you're obviously you're a citizen if you're born in Puerto Rico. That's part of the United States. It's like uh, Guam or any other U.S. territory or Commonwealth or, or, or thing like that. The U.S. Virgin Islands are the same. Um, the difference is that you don't pay federal income tax. You would pay basically the state income tax or the Commonwealth income tax. Uh, but you do pay Medicare and Medicaid. You pay those at the same rate but you only get half the benefits that you would on the mainland. And you also, we don't have any representation in Congress. We have two representatives that we send, um, but they don't vote. They're just basically there is almost like delegates. You could say um, uh, uh, Puerto Rico to kind of represent them there, you know, or at least talk for speak for them uh, really more than anything else. Why? Would- Here's some, a reason why Congress 
that may not want Puerto Rico to be a state. You know where I'm going with this? Because Puerto Rico is actually going through bankruptcy right now. Yeah, you know, they would have to deal with their economic issues as well. I think Puerto Rico is something like seven, um, Hurricane tens Maria. of billions of dollars in debt. Yeah, um, that was Maria. even before Hurricane Maria. I was going to say, Hurricane Maria really nailed the coffin into that yeah, one. Yeah, it, it basically took away Puerto Rico's ability to be able to pay back its debts easily. But, uh, uh, yeah. It would be five House seats and two Senate seats for yeah. if Puerto Rico went... Uh, state supposedly um kathleen music lover says is spanish still number one language in puerto rico or am i confused uh as far as i can tell yes it's the number one but just like puerto rico i mean the u.s has no official language either technically so that doesn't really affect anything now the weird thing about puerto rico is that the distances are in kilometers but obviously all the cars are american so they have uh miles per hour miles so and actually the speeds are the the speed limits are also in miles per hour but so it makes it really longer. confusing sometimes it gets uh stuff i don't drive and then gasoline is in liters as well so it, it kind of does the international standard with that stuff uh so it's like it's in a weird weird position uh over there. but in a lot of ways it feels like being in south florida when you're there it felt like miami of, yeah it, it felt like a lot miami. of familiarity so and everybody there is basically bilingual, so that wouldn't be a, a big deal. Um, the and, younger is definitely like the younger. Oh yeah. I don't know if any or most of the older. I would say it's like Miami. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it's, much exactly like, like Miami, Miami, where a lot of people don't even speak uh, English. Um, so you know, we'll see. Uh, and and uh, mandatory care brings on. When is Jefferson's uh, going to get his statehood uh, voted on? Uh, Jefferson should have gotten the statehood voted on after World War II. Uh, thanks for the history lesson that you sent out there. If anybody wants to look at about uh, the state of Jefferson, um, it would be out in the um, the uh, West Coast, Pacific Northwest area. Uh, so that's actually a really cool story. But uh, I don't know what will happen. I think Puerto Rico deserves it just because they voted for it. And we've seen in the past how other states have gotten um, inducted into the union. It wouldn't necessarily be a good thing, but... It is what it is. Sometimes you either hold yourselves to your standards or you don't. But I understand the reluctance. I understand why the Democrats want to push it now. Um, I don't think it'll go anywhere. With, again, without the filibuster being eliminated, this really won't go anywhere. Um, but again, it's, a, it's a, just another thing for them to do. And at this point, they're trying to pass as many things as possible to see what sticks and what Cinema uh, and Mansion will be willing to cave on. And even a few Republicans, because there's a lot of squishes out there in the Republican Party that will vote for things like that. But obviously, the implications would be that it would make it that much more difficult to oppose, you know, anti um, anti gun legislation, things like that, um, and oppose their agenda. And it would add uh, more political pressure, obviously, during elections. Then Puerto Rico would would be in play because it would have more representatives than even some of the smaller states. So it would be pretty significant. Um, the reason why I'm not 100% sure in how Puerto Rico would vote is because in a lot of ways, um, Marco Rubio has kind of been almost a de facto senator for Puerto Rico. And it seems that in the last election, the Hispanic vote in Florida turned um, in Trump's direction. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hispanics are, are, you can't... They're traditionally conservative politically. But... You know, this has been one of my big points throughout advocacy my anger towards the fact that one of the reasons i i've really leaned into the advocacy thing is because i'm so tired of just everyone assuming that because i'm hispanic 
that I lean a certain way. And this happens to me all the time when I have conversations. I think I've said this many times when I have, I like to have conversations with random people. Um, and of course, in my line of work, it's very easy to do that. But I'm a very gregarious person, so I talk to people. At least I force myself to be. <laughs> um, so it's funny because I always kind of have like a good sense, like one of my superpowers is kind of figuring people out. And I was like, I'm always right. I always call everybody out. Like, you know, it's just my thing. Mm -hmm. So I can figure out just in a simple, like, you know, conversation that's not political, which way someone is leaning. And I'll just like base my answers based on that. And it always, whenever I'm talking to someone who leans left, it never fails. They just assume mm -hmm. that that's what I am because of my race. And it's very insulting. Um, that you would assume that I have to believe something just because of what, you know, the fact that I'm, you know, tanned and, and can speak Spanish. And my ancestors come from South America and the Caribbean. So that shouldn't mean my, my, my DNA, my 23andMe, you know, shouldn't say, oh, you are this percent other, therefore you must be voting for this party. That's extremely disrespectful. That means that I can't think for myself. That's exactly what you're saying. Yep. I can't think for myself. That's rude. Yep. Anyway, that was my rant. Yep. Uh, now, obviously, Puerto Rico's one case because it's it you know it's a terror it's a commonwealth. So. By the way, Nitrine says something that's very true in the chat. Oh yeah, go. Keep for in it. mind, Florida is only like six six hundred thousand votes from going blue. Absolutely, yeah. everybody acts like this is a super Republican state. No, 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 it isn't. It's we're a purple state. It's only moved further. Like the last two elections, it moved further red. So that's the only thing that I can say that maybe, maybe there's an impact here or Puerto Ricans. We had a huge influx of Puerto Ricans after Hurricane Maria, and we thought it would make and it we more thought blue. It would make it guaranteed Democrat, but it actually became more red with Hispanics. In but particular. now that we don't have pies secos, pies mojados, which is what is that the same thing? Wet foot, dry foot. Wet yeah. foot, dry foot. Yeah. Um, the law in case for people who are not from for Florida, Cubans. that was the law. Um, that if you came in off a raft or whatever flotation device from from Cuba and your feet touched sand in, in, on one of our beaches, you were automatically granted asylum from Cuba. And of course, that was taken away a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So our constant influx of Cubans is going to dry up, or at least legal Cubans. So therefore, since they tended to go towards a conservative viewpoint, is South Florida, given time, going to be less and less Republican? It depends. Uh, it's been interesting here, too, because we've also gotten a lot of influx of people from New England after COVID. So it's really going to yes, be a lot of my fellow New Yorkers. Yeah, it's, it's going to be up to us as the local residents to, you know, push the initiatives that, you know, Florida is a certain state we believe in. You know, we believe in freedoms here. We believe in being open. We don't believe in restrictions. Obviously, we're trying to push now against the gun restrictions that we got after parkland which we gained recently now um carrying in in uh in places of worship uh but really desantis has been very good on everything except for the second amendment he's kind of done nothing for the second amendment um so we need to push that we need to push uh, the constitutional carry here and um sanctuary statehood which again is more symbolic but i think that it kind of falls into the trend especially of how uh, Governor DeSantis has been trying to portray himself in his media campaign over the last few weeks in his pushback. That's well, I feel the, like, the honestly, I feel like he's modeling himself off of Trump, you know, 
you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, He's looking so video. much like Trump now. So Trump was never strong on 2A. I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm, I'm not, not hating on him. No, I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone. I'm not I'm not sorry for saying what the truth is. I'm sorry if you got offended. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying what's facts. He was not strong on 2A. Is DeSantis going to model himself off of Trump? Because mm -hmm. so far, how long has he been governor? I mean, he's done quite a bit for other things. Mm -hmm. He's been very strong about COVID in his in his way. Mm -hmm. He should have been strong about other things. Yep. And he hasn't. And uh, the trend right now, which is actually we can segue in a few moments. The trend in other red states has been to push because since gun control has been constant push. We have now seen the resulting push from red states to either become sanctuary states mm -hmm. or constitutional carry states, which we've been seeing a lot of. Yeah. So the time is ripe to DeSantis, Governor DeSantis. Uh, the time is ripe for you to uh, make some moves on that as well. Yep, they definitely need to. Like I said, the uh, uh, church carry, quote unquote, uh, was a good move and in the hold right on. direction. DJ, but... play nice. I love you. 2A is bipartisan. I want to say that loud and clear. The Second Amendment should not be a party issue. 100% mm -hmm. agree with you. However, a certain party has made gun control an issue. It was on their presidential platform. It is on all of their Democrat platforms. So it's not that the Second Amendment is or is not bipartisan. Gun control is now a Democrat issue. That's better said that way. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Um, yeah, so yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and like we said, DC is going to be an issue because again, DC is accounted for in the Constitution. You know, um, remember that the Constitution and the amendments are of course are not absolute, Rolando. Of course, they're not. but uh, they'll have difficulty. It's not going to be a con it's not a constitutional issue here. Now, as far as D.C. is concerned, I think that they would be better off kind of taking the status um, that Puerto Rico has so that they don't have to pay income taxes or anything like that. The people of D.C. would save a lot more money if they actually got that kind of status instead where they don't have to pay income taxes, don't have to do anything like that and, and kind of get a benefit over um, what they have now. But I think, uh, you know, D.C. was never D.C. turned into something that was never meant to be. And I don't think it's not the fault of the people there, but it's also not the fault of the founders or how the constitution is. It's like, this is the way it was written. You guys kind of jacked it up. Like, that's is it weird that I feel like people shouldn't have ever lived there? It should have just been constant. Like it should have just been government buildings. That's what I feel in my heart. Yeah. It should have only been. And then the residential area should would have been be outside, outside the in the States yeah. because I just feel like that's not what the purpose of it was. Yeah. And I feel like I guess it's it was just that. too big and people ended up, you know, living there. Cause yeah. I mean, it's, 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 yeah makes sense but uh it's 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 just it's ridiculous we'll see where it goes it's something to be concerned about will it affect us right away i don't know i mean the numbers obviously in the senate would change to 102 so and they would and they would get the two so they would probably be able to still push past the filibuster at that point because i guess you would need like 52 uh, at that point um which they would probably have 
So I think it would just make it slightly easier for them. Or well, I think they would still have the problems with cinema and um and uh and mansion. So they would really need Puerto Rico. But uh it, it will make things a lot easier for them and it may still put more pressure because then they're really gonna be the only two. Uh and they might have to start competing a little bit more issues and get more even more pressure and pushback. Especially since DC will be next near Mansion who's in West Virginia. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Hey, CloverTech. Uh, CloverTech just came in the chat. Let's give him a shout out. Uh, you we're missed we're our not going to restart the show. <laughs> well, you <laughs> missed our whole spiel about the DC and, and Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. And me getting a little spicy. And apparently affecting my New York accent. Ooh, those affectations show up. So, uh, all right. What do you want to move on to now? Well, Jen? first, I want to shout out or- 42 Chilled, Montana Governor Greg Gian- Gianforte. Signed legislation Friday to protect the Second Amendment from new federal laws and regulations. So is that um, 42 chilled? Is that going to mean that sanctuary? is it sanctuary status? What does that mean? Yeah. Let me know. So I think it's a good segue to talk about the constitutional carry. We mentioned it briefly. Yeah, we did. Uh, or some of the cha- uh, a lack thereof. So we're going to talk now about, let me everybody see. The Louisiana governor says that he'll veto constitute the constitutional carry bill. Interesting. Yeah. So is he not a? I know. Again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep saying this. He's a Democrat okay. governor. Yeah. Really, Louisiana? Yep. All right. So, uh, like I was saying earlier, when we were talking about other things, the I feel like it's a response to the gun control push from one side. The opposite side has now been doubling down on sanctuary states, sanctuary counties and constitutional carry we now have 20 states that allow constitutional carry i do believe i saw that in the chat as well someone found them all out uh tennessee was a recent one i think that was in april uh joining alaska arizona arkansas idaho iowa kansas kentucky maine mississippi missouri montana new hampshire north dakota oklahoma south dakota utah vermont west virginia and wyoming i felt like what was that candidate who was Shouting all the state names. Oh, Howard Dean. <laughs> I felt like New Howard Mexico. Dean. Ah, ah. We're going to go back to D.C. and take back the White House. Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, Governor DeSantis. I don't good. see Florida on that. Yeah, I know. I don't see Florida. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not happy about that. Um. So, anyway. So, Louisiana, it looks like uh, they were voting for state lawmakers are voting for constitutional carry. And Governor is uh, not going to... Not gonna let that fly. Hmm. Now, just because you have constitutional carry does not mean that people don't get their state permits. Because a lot of these state permits, a lot of them still you can get it. No, you can all you can get them because if you can get your state permit, if and and if it's one of those good ones that have like Florida's, ours are a lot of states. Mm -hmm. I think Florida's one of the best ones, right? It used to be. I know it has a lot of reciprocity with like more than 20. That's pretty cool. So like, for instance, if I travel for work, mm-hmm. I have to make sure I know those 20 states yep. or so and know, you know, the laws. USCCA has a great website where they have all the maps. It shows you each of the laws and where your reciprocity goes. So. Yeah, you should be well educated on mm-hmm. that if you happen to be traveling. Because that happens all the time. People, didn't that happen to some young man? He traveled to New York recently and he got... He was caught with an AK-47. Oh I just read God, yeah. And he was like, I had no idea. And they're like, how would you not know? Honestly, some people live under a rock. But 
it was he bought it legally in his state, drove into New York, got pulled over, mm-hmm. and boom, AK-47 in his trunk. Let's let's just say he got arrested. Um, and that's what happens when you're not educated on your uh, reciprocity. Yep. So uh, some of the supporters of constitutional carry say it's ridiculous that one of the arguments against is it's going to be, oh my God, crime's going to go up. People are going to, you know, no. not going to take this seriously. They're not going to get the mandated. Well, the whole point is not mandated. The training, I beg to differ. I think people who generally buy guns legally tend to get training. Yeah, or they want to, yeah. I mean, if you're going through the effort, most people do. Mm-hmm. There's two kinds, in my mind, there's two kinds of legal gun owners. One, you buy your revolver and you put it in your safe and you never touch it again. <laughs> or two, I think that's actually most gun owners with their, two, with all their guns. But you buy your fifteen to twenty guns and you like to go to the ranch. That's, in my opinion, the usually the two kinds. Mm-hmm. Am I not right? Yeah, I, I yeah, I I think mandated training a lot of times is usually pretty. A lot of it is inferior anyway because they try to go to the minimum standards and all that stuff. So when you actually go to a class that is there for private business reasons, sometimes it can be better because, you know, they know that you're there to pay, not because it's some government mandate. And, and Clovertack in the chat just said uh, it's a very good point. Keeping his LTC, even if constitutional carry passes, because there you can, if you have your constitutional carry, that's a great uh, perk. When you go to buy a new gun, you basically don't have to wait for the background check yeah. because you already have mm-hmm. your permit. So it's definitely one of the perks of that. But to me, it's like I would have still gotten it no matter what. Yep. But it is nice knowing I don't need it to own a gun. Yeah, and to be able to carry on your purse and protect yourself uh, and go through anything like that. It, is, uh, it especially helps, obviously, those in, uh, you know, in poor communities and things like that so they don't have to go through the process. Yeah, it of, is prohibitive. It yeah. is prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Listen, any time that you have... A law that says you can buy like bypass that law with money or a permit that costs money that's not keeping anyone safe that is a social class restriction mm-hmm. that's all it is don't let anybody fool you into thinking that's going to keep you safe it is keeping the lower socioeconomic classes from having that yep. right that's it yep that's really what it is and it's just a, another way for the government to make money on uh, on our rights, essentially. Well, so. she, in my opinion, if you want to make money, tax something that's not right. Of course. Uh, oh, Legalize of course weed. I'm sorry. If <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I, I, I don't particularly like marijuana. That's just my personal choice. I don't like it. Never liked it. Anyway, I just don't like the smell. That's mm-hmm. it. It doesn't bother me. It's just, I don't like the smell. It's my thing. If you want to make money as a state, don't make money off a right. That's shady. You want to make money as a state? Do what Colorado did. They make hand over fist money by legalizing marijuana and taxing the crap out of it. Solution solved. I'm, I'm more against no taxes. I, I'm just saying, <laughs> if you no, are ta- going to go that, ra- that route, don't way, tax yeah. your rights. Go tax something like alcohol, cigarettes, marijuana, yeah. whatever, a vice. Yeah. No, that's true. I, I would agree with that more. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, it's just more restrictions on the Second Amendment. So, Louisiana, unfortunately. But yes, I agree. Gotta, I prefer no taxes, but, you know, if you're going to do it, whatever. Uh, 
Obviously, Louisiana not going on the right way. We have many other states, like we said this year, Utah, Montana, Iowa, and Tennessee have made a different uh, decision, and they're going constitutional carry. So this is a movement that we need to continue to promote. We need to educate people on what uh, on what it is. And honestly, we need to go for a normalization of guns because right now people are very afraid of guns. When they see it, they freak out. Um, you know, in a lot of these states, I'm sure that when constitutional carry starts, if they never had open carry before, people freak out the first time. I know in Florida, people will flip out. Uh, if constitutional carry gets passed, you see uh, people open carrying. I'm sure there'll be a lot of cops getting called. Um, but, you know, we need to push, uh, we need to push uh, normalization so that people feel comfortable around guns. They don't feel that they're this boogeyman evil thing. And uh, there's something that, you know, you respect, you're safe around. And, uh, and, and that's nothing unusual or scary or anything like that. So there's, uh, there's really no no excuse for for any of this stuff honest with you and it's something that we've always pushed and uh you know we need to keep pushing that culture uh try to put a positive face on the second amendment and we've been doing a good job with that i think uh for the most part they keep trying to fear monger but i think there is a percentage of the population that will always be susceptible to fear and they will always want uh the comfort that they feel that the state can provide them but I think more and more people are also waking up to the fact that uh, things aren't working out right and that something is wrong and that they shouldn't be able to take our rights away. I saw that there are huge uh, protests uh, right now. I saw people without masks and everything in London uh, because they don't want uh, vaccine passports and things like that. And they're much more authoritarian there. Um, some of the riots and the protests that I've been seeing in Europe uh, rival pretty much what anything anybody has done here to oppose lockdowns. Obviously, we've seen violent riots here that are unmatched uh, compared to what we've seen in Europe in a lot of cases, but uh, at least in the last year. But as far as opposing the government and things like that, we haven't seen things on that scale. So I'm heartened that we're starting to see more people wake up. Uh, but again, I think that part of what, what goes on sometimes is that we have complacency. Here in Florida, we're definitely... Uh, we definitely have that complacency disease. Uh, we assume that because we have Republican supermajorities and that DeSantis has been fairly conservative, uh, that he would, you know, that we're going to get pro-gun legislation. But really, it seems like Republicans place you in a holding pattern many times. So it's good to see that at least in other states, we're starting to see them put their money where their mouth is. But we need to start seeing that in Florida. And as voters, we can't be complacent. We need to be seeing that across the board. Yeah. I feel like that's happening on the state level. I feel like the senators and representatives in Congress and in the House need to take a page out of their brothers in state levels mm -hmm. and learn to do that because I feel like when Republicans are in powers, they do diddly squat. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Now, I will say I, I can see Clover and Mike are having a, a discussion about mandating and things like that. There are some programs, Colorado requires of a training, but our good friend Ed Grantion runs a nonprofit called Guns for Everyone, where he provides, he essentially eats that cost and provides that training for free to uh, residents in Colorado who are trying to get their, um, their permits and purchase firearms and things like that. So there are ways to do that. Uh, the community can find ways to create programs like that. Um, there are a lot of people that don't like that. Edgar has 
run into problems with local trainers who obviously charge for their services and they don't want to compete. Now he takes a nonprofit approach and the community is generous and people still donate. Uh, so sometimes you'll run into issues with that, uh, doing that, but there are ways to get around that. And it's kind of up to the community to, uh, you know, come up with, uh, come up with new ways to get around things like that. And I think uh, guns for everyone is a great example of how you can, that's the community coming up with a solution to circumvent uh, state regulations. Now, obviously, we would love to get rid of all of the state regulations, but, you know, necessity is usually the mother of invention. Sometimes we get uh, innovations that, like pistol braces, that necessarily they, they have a purpose, but they allow us to essentially, you know, um, go, uh, go around things that the government tries to place around us. We'll see how long that lasts. But you have to get innovative. Um, they will eventually catch up to you. They'll catch on to it. Uh, but that's what we've got. So you either fight to take things away or while we're still trying to survive, we find ways to get around what they try to do in the infringements. So we can obviously oppose uh, and not comply with any of these things, but some things like training mandates and things like that where you have to go through people and show things that's a little bit harder to do and to go around to have different options that's great and it's definitely something we can encourage until we can remove pretty much all the infringements uh, but that's going to take time and it's going to take effort uh, the kind of effort that the other side has and that's really something that um, we lack a lot of times it's that grassroots open vocal effort um, and that lack of fear um, to stand up to the cancel culture and it's something that we face all the time I mean, even um, in originally starting a YouTube uh, channel and a show, Johanna and I had major apprehensions about doing, exposing ourselves. And oh, I didn't up. want to do it at all. Yeah. I, didn't, was, I didn't even want to go. I think I've said this before. I'm a very private person, a very, uh, I don't want to say the word shy because I'm definitely not shy, but I'm introverted. There's a difference. I prefer to keep to myself in some ways, which is ironic because I always say that I talk to everybody, which I do. But there is there is a type of personality that I, I'm not gonna dissect that, but it is a type. Um, we were off of social media for years before deciding to become advocates. So this was a specific choice, not an opportunity. It was a specific choice that we launched because of how deeply we felt about it. And even if it's just it is what it is, if you guys are who watches us and we appreciate you so much. This is what it's all, you know, we're uncomfortable. We're, I, at this point, I think we're both comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but right now, for instance, if you go to my Instagram, I haven't been on Instagram. I mean, I made a post about the show this week. I made a post about the show last week. I haven't been on Instagram, which is my primary social media because I detest with the burning passion of a thousand sons, <laughs> Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't made a single post in like two or three weeks because um of what's going on with you know my personal life work life whatever mm -hmm. so i'm settled i'm i'm not really comfortable going on social media yep. so i'm still not 100 percent comfortable with it this right before the show i was just like i really don't want to do the show but that the second we started the show i uh i changed my mind because we're both so passionate about mm -hmm. talking about stuff um that it makes it all our apprehensions go away Yep, it makes it worthwhile. But, uh, you know, so 
again, continue on. We have to go with the normalization effort. Uh, we can't be afraid to expose ourselves. And Kathleen brings a point up that obviously we hear with a lot of people and it's, uh, it's hard to be logical with emotionally based people. And uh, I agree, that's very difficult. That's something the left does effectively, but we have to be emotional in our tactics too to try to win a lot of the people over. And we have to have empathy for people, you know, people that go through tragedies, things like that, uh, or traumatic experiences, they're obviously going to have opinions. Um, if you, you if you meet somebody that's a victim of something, their first, uh, a lot of times their reactions can be illogical, they're emotional, obviously they've been through something terrible, so they lash out, they try to find solutions of how could we have avoided this? What ways could this have been stopped? And many times they'll look for the tool. I just wanted to say that emotion is something that we need to start using. Yeah. This is something, um, I joined the DC project. I haven't done much with it because again, I have, this year has been weird for me. I have not done all the things that I've wanted to do in the 2A um, between COVID and just what's going on with my personal life. Mm -hmm. I haven't really had the opportunity to and i hope to soon but um dc project i went to ambassador academy everybody knows that i talked about it i met someone called robin sandoval she's in dc project and uh she also does uh she has her girl girls with guns girl she's got her own group i'm so sorry robin i totally butcher that she's gonna be on their show at some point and she has a fantastic story about how she was an anti anti-gun person she was pro-gun control actively pro-gun control and she became pro-gun when she was scared about i think it was i don't know if it was covid i'm butchering her story guys but um it was some kind of event i think it was covid where she was hoarding food maybe it wasn't covid maybe it was a hurricane i don't know mm -hmm. it was some kind of event might have been covid might have been something else. But she was basically hoarding food for her family and, you know, prepping. Mm -hmm. And then she realized, what's going to stop someone from coming in here and taking my provisions for me to feed my kids? And that's when she realized she had to protect, and I think she uses the term protect her tuna, tuna fish and peanut butter and jelly with yep. anything that she could because that meant that she could feed her kids. Yep. And that's when she turned from someone who was anti-gun and actively, like mom demand action, actively pro-gun control to pro-2A. And that's why we have to use that emotion, those stories. It makes us human and it allows other people to start realizing it's not just about hunting or sports or being yeehaw cowboys because that's how they paint us. I mean, Tony's on the chat tonight, but mm -hmm. last week, what was the quote? The wild, wild west pimp style. Yeah. That thing. I mean, that's that's what they're trying to portray us as. They uh, don't see the stories of women wanting to protect their kids, of men wanting to protect their families. It doesn't matter if you don't have a family. If you are a human being, you have the right to defend your life. Yeah, that is a choice, and it is a story. Yeah, Kathleen, those are the stories that you have to bring up. You have to bring up the 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 person that is. Uh, you have to bring up the woman who you know is abused or something terrible happens to her, and she wishes she had a gun. Um, you there you bring go. Up, yeah, a girl and there, a gun. There goes uh, Tony. He shows up right on time. Uh, you have to speak about the stories of 
you know, the the daughter that uh, left her gun, I forgot what her name was. It was before Texas had uh, carry permits. Uh, that she had to leave her gun in her car because she was going to be a law-abiding gun owner rather than a peaceable gun owner. And she decided, well, I'm not allowed to have a gun in a restaurant, so I'm going to leave the gun here. And somebody came in and shot up the place and killed both of her parents. If she had had her gun, she feels like she could have done something about that. Those are the stories that you bring up. You bring up the people that are victims because they couldn't help themselves and they couldn't save themselves. So for every story that you have of somebody that maybe has been murdered or somebody's done something terrible and perpetrated a crime, there are millions of others that we just need to bring out into the highlight. And you need to learn them yourself so you can go to these people and show them like, well, what do you think of the woman that was you know, raped because she couldn't do anything or she was waiting to get a concealed carry permit and she couldn't get it and her stalker came and murdered her or assaulted her. Those are the stories that you have to bring up of the uh, the husband who's in the middle of his neighborhood in suburbia in North Carolina when his wife gets attacked by a bobcat, which that just happened this week. We were going to wait until the end of the show to talk about it, but it's totally relevant here. Um, what would you have expected people to do there? You just expect people to roll over and die? And that's sometimes the, the uh, what you have to bring up sometimes. It's like, okay... So, and, and Joe's had this discussion with women before about like, well, what if a person is assaulting you? What do you I, do? I cannot believe the responses that I have gotten from women that I respect. And I don't know if they actively believe this or if they're just being hard headed yeah. and refuse to just like, they're just being stubborn and refuse to actually like consider it. But I have had women that I consider friends for years, people I respect. You know, this this actually came up with a good friend of mine, a Hispanic girl. Um, and she she brought up the conversation because she says, um, you know, Joe, I respect you, but I'm going to stop following you. Because at the time, I hadn't fully come out with this advocacy. Whatever, advocacy. So I was kind of advocating on my personal level. And it made a lot of my very liberal friends, which... Most of my friends are liberal. It's South Florida. What can I say? Um, very uncomfortable. So I had reactions where I've lost friends. I, I lost one of my good friends of 10 years over it. And, you know, I think that if you can't respect my opinion on something, then good riddance. So it makes me sad, but I'm not going to let somebody, you know, basically tell me what I can or can't believe. I think that's not fair. I don't care. I've had discussions with some of my friends are communist. It's a true story. One of my best friends is a communist. And we have really interesting conversations where we both debate each other on. And I think Rolando enjoys debating with her too. Yeah. She's actually fairly intelligent. Um, incredibly intelligent. So it's actually really interesting. And we, she, we actually like go back and forth on this. And, you know, she'll agree on some things that we talk about. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. But basically, uh, my friend was mm -hmm. anti-gun and told me she would stop following me. And I said, okay, well, can we talk about this? And I said, well, how do you feel about, you know, statistics about rape? I think one in, f I always get, I hate statistics. I always well, get yeah, them wrong. Whatever. A higher percentage. I gave women. her the yeah. statistic. This, 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 this many women, um, this percentage of women deal with, um, you know, sexual harassment or rape. And then she, she's like, how do you feel about women 
being able to carry a gun to defend themselves because obviously we're the weaker sex. I don't care what you wanted to say. You can work out. I don't care. You're still going to be the weaker sex. It's just physiology. physiology. And she actually says, I would rather get raped than carry a gun. And I basically just stopped arguing because what could you possibly say to that? Yeah. I didn't believe her, but I knew there was no more arguing. I just shut up. I said, okay, I won't talk to you about guns anymore because clearly you'd rather just, you, you'd accept death. And I actually had someone else tell me that then it's my turn to die. Yeah. My time to die. And I, can't, I cannot believe that. The instinct to protect your life should be the number one thing. And that's just instinct. I refuse to believe that someone wouldn't fight for, for their life. Um, and I agree with 42 Chilled. I don't think she was honest. But mm -hmm. some people just believe so strongly in these beliefs that they are willing to lie to themselves. And there's nothing I can do with that kind of person. Yep. Well, that, that's, that's the point where, uh, see, those, those are the people that you can't, you can't win over those people, but you can win most people getting up to that point and bringing up those arguments or at least getting them to concede. And if they don't, they're usually being disingenuous. But... Those are the examples you have to bring up, Kathleen. You, you just, you have to start bringing up the uncomfortable stuff because they're always willing to do that and that's the only way that you can combat them as well. You have to talk about the stories about how people were saved and that there were more people that were saved and get personal about it, get into details about it and become emotional about it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how it was. So... Uh, you know, you just have to carry on and try to go through those, uh, those conversations. Random so. fact, Clovertack says in the Wild West, there were no pimps. Actually, that is a fairly recent thing. Generally speaking and historically, madams controlled all that stuff. Yeah, we talked about the brothels last week, didn't we? Yeah, we went a little bit down that line. Did uh, we? Yeah. Let's just face that out. Yeah. I was just uh, saying in the chat that the Wild Wild pimp style thing, I desperately want to create an outfit, like a costume for that, mm -hmm. and just own it. Like, I need a cowboy slash pimp hat and rocket. Yep. Gold chain, cowboy hat. Yep. See, and one of the things that, one of the things that you'll see Clover Tech is that, uh, that that's how you always spin it. You have to make it personal towards them. You have to bring it up towards them. And they always love, one of the differences that you'll find a lot of times between the people who are being genuine and, and those who are not, is that they'll try to change the subject and come up with a crazy hypothetical um, to try to obfuscate a situation or make it or, or try to, uh, you know, make right and wrong a gray area. You know, we see it with uh, some of the riots and things like that and how left tries to defend certain things. Um, they try to do some moral equivalency. You can't allow that to happen. You can't let them change the subject. You can't let it go anywhere. You have to say... It is more realistic for you to worry about a scenario where your your friend or family member is under threat of being murdered or or raped or something like that, something terrible happening to them, than you coming up with some crazy scenario where somebody that has magazines that are standard capacity is going to make a difference versus somebody who has a ten round magazines or something like that, as if that's going to make a difference in a crime or anybody's going to fall for that kind of stuff. Bring up what's going on with the police right now. Ask them, who, okay, say that there are large elements of the left that want to defund police. I'm 
you know, I don't really care for law enforcement that much the way it is, especially after many of them showed their true colors over these lockdowns and forcing unconstitutional red flag laws and things like that. I don't have much sympathy for the for the institution, but most normal people on the left or the right, if you ask them, I think it's something like 70% of people are for police. So you throw it down there. Are you pro-police? Even if they're on the left or right, they might, they'll probably admit to you, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with police. So uh, think about a scenario where your party, the party is pushing for defunding the police. Many of these major cities are. So that is a movement, whether you personally believe in it or not, that's a movement that has gained traction and it's a very powerful political movement right now and is being pushed by one party predominantly. So whether you like it or not, that is what's on the menu. So think of a scenario where you have these crimes, murders, rapes, things like that, and you can't call the police or now their reaction times are even slower than they used to be. How can you not advocate for personal protection? How can you not allow people to empower themselves um, and, and prevent themselves from being victims. How dare you advocate for something like that? And that's how you have to be. You have to get personal. You have to be a, a little bit more uh, harsh with them. You tell them, how dare you dictate that I can't defend myself when you're telling me that you need to defund the police and I can't call for help. And now you're also telling me that I can't purchase a firearm? That's absolutely absurd. That, that is absolutely ridiculous then you need to be the one that goes over there and go and, and goes into a city with no police or anything like that as crime rates go up. You need to live by that standard. And you need to justify that to the victims of crime uh, that we've been seeing. The statistics have been going up in cities where we've been seeing uh, you know, defunding of law enforcement. And, and it usually coincides with many of those cities also have heavy gun control. So the people cannot defend themselves. And then they will use those cities to try to puff up other statistics about illegal guns and things like that. Because many of the law of the good people there in those cities, where are they going to go to purchase their firearms? They're going to have to cross state lines or they themselves will also have to go on the black market to purchase guns. We're talking so about statistics right now. Yeah. Uh, Anchorage, Alaska saw its murder rate drop by nearly 50% last year after constitutional carry passed. Yeah. While homicides in Denver were the highest since 1981. Yeah. How can you deny statistics? I know statistics are used. You can manipulate statistics. Statistics are a dirty thing, but those are pretty clean statistics. Well, we've been seeing there was a downward trend up until 2020, which obviously it's an unprecedented year and everything that we went through, but murder rates were going down. Uh, overall, across the board, violent crime was going down and gun ownership was going up precipitously and they were basically you know corresponding with one another it's, it's yeah. interesting though because it depends on the media source i've seen articles run by left-leaning and i'm well, sorry it feels like if you feel like you're watching your show the show and we're, we're bashing the left it's because the left is bashing us well it's it's the problem is that the that the corporate left and the main political the national left is is one thing and it's gone they have an agenda they're gone yeah they're gone they have an agenda so it's not yeah. that you'll be able to find local you can find them. local politicians that may be democrats or state politicians but the national democrat party is gone like they're they're totally gone they're their own thing they're a progressive party at this point or at the very least they allow the progressives to control that party Mm -hmm. That's where they are. So I know Clovertack mentioned that there are some good Democrats in Texas. I believe it. I, I know some people that are sincere. They are old school liberals, but they're not progressives. And they don't necessarily believe in conservatism, 
but the national party has moved off the cliff. Like they jumped off the cliff. There were a lot of people that weren't ready to go with them. They did. And that's where the leadership is. And I think part of the problem is it's a problem that we have on the other side. So just like how we don't get involved in things and we don't hold a fire to, you know, pro supposedly pro constitution politicians, what happened to the left is that their their far left wing was very vocal and very vehement and very forceful. And they intimidated everyone else and they basically ran them to be afraid. And I think it's up to normal liberal voters to not be afraid and to start standing up against progressives and standing up against the cancel culture. That's what it's going to take because we can stand up to the left all we want. They're not going to care. We're their natural adversary. So they really don't give a crap about what we have to say. It's very clear. So you have to go from within and not be quiet. If you don't feel comfortable with gun control as a liberal, then you have to say something about it. If you do not feel comfortable with HR1 and taking away states' rights for voting or trying to push the statehood of DC, just because your party is doing it doesn't mean you can't, you have to stand up to it. You have to go up to your friends and you have to say, look, I don't agree with this. This isn't cool. And then the more people that you see that start turning back and say, well, I really don't care because it's our team, then you know that they're full of crap and they're not being uh, uh, genuine and you're probably politically homeless. And I think that's where most people are nowadays. And I feel honest. like if you want to stay with that team, then your obligation is if you don't believe in those things that they're doing, your obligation, if you want to stay with your team, is to be vocal with, because remember, politicians are civil servants. They're supposed to represent you. Yep. So if you are a Democrat and you're watching the show or listening to this show and you're angry that we're bashing you, and you, but you're watching the show and clearly you don't believe in gun control, then your responsibility is to contact your Democratic politician and let them know how you feel. Yeah, and expose them to other people that are like you because there's probably millions of you out there. You just can't be afraid to speak up. And that's part of the problem. And you also need to start breaking out of your own echo chamber because you, are, you have already gotten to the point where you believe that gun control is wrong or you believe in the Second Amendment. So how many other narratives have you been buying into that aren't true either or that you can make a difference about that you need to break out of that echo chamber? Just like we say in the gun community, we have to break out of our echo chamber. So it goes both ways, but it takes, it, it does take courage. Then that's what we need nowadays more than ever. We need people to be courageous. We need people to go out there. It doesn't mean that you're going to run for politics. It doesn't mean that you're, uh, you know, you need to do something like that, but start putting yourself out there. Let your opinions be known. Don't be afraid to let people know that you're a gun owner, that you enjoy these things, that you believe in certain things, and you can allow your other political persuasions to be there because really what we're running into now is a battle between those that believe in reality and those that don't and those that believe in authoritarianism and those that don't and a lot of that a lot of those issues aren't necessarily right or left because you can have right wing and left wing authoritarianism you can have those things you can have discussions with logical people that may not believe in uh, issues that you believe in uh, but they believe in freedom. They might not believe in lockdowns. They believe in gun ownership. They don't believe in lockdowns. They don't believe in this authoritarianism. Now, they might believe in different social issues than you do um, when it comes to marriage and things like that or even abortion. And, and those are hot-button issues that are moralistic and can affect us. But do they believe in authoritarianism or government will uh, in, 
imposing certain things or do they believe in a freedom of choice overall? And I'm not just talking about that specific issue. I'm talking about a freedom of choice overall and, and, and freedom in the Constitution to live as you want. So if you believe in those things, you'll see that we're not as you know far apart as we can be. And a lot of those things, the, the Constitution, those beliefs and freedom are a huge umbrella for a lot of other different issues. But if you're against those concepts, then that's where we don't have any common ground. If you're against freedom of speech, freedom to defend yourself with the Second Amendment and any of the other Bill of Rights, then that's where we can't be allied. But you can definitely believe certain issues and believe in the Bill of Rights. Those aren't mutually exclusive. It doesn't mean that you can't be a liberal and believe those things. In fact, liberalism really means belief in liberty and individual liberty. Uh, it's been you know, basically perverted these days and changed. And conservatism is said is a dirty term too. It means you, you do believe in uh, preserving some of the traditions that we have because we think they're important and because they give us a common foundation with which we can all operate. Uh, it gives us a certain rules, a certain set of rules so that we know, hey, when we go to the table, we all have these rights. We all have these uh, uh, rules that we stand by. So we operate within these rules. And that lets us conduct business and have a country and form a culture. Uh, and you do need some of that commonality. You know, embrace diversity, but we do have to have that which makes us American. So, and that's the cat back there trying to open the door if everybody's freaking out and hearing about uh, someone breaking in yeah. or a ghost opening the door or, or weird sounds in the background that's just the cat so. but she has opposable thumbs she can <laughs> just kidding yep um this is a perfect time to say hello that the locked and loaded latinos is part of the self-defense self radio, radio network. network where all your pro freedom podcasts are in one place including Modern Self-Protection, Unload and Show Clear, Firearm Chats, M4S, Mind for Survival with Brian Duff, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, Survival and Basics, I don't want to curse, Eye on the Target Radio, uh, Guns Guide to Liberals, and the Polite Society Podcast, among many, many more. You can find all the shows on sdrn.us. Go ahead and give them a try. Anyway, um, okay, so we talked about the bobcat. Uh, by the way, I am, I always wanted, I like cats. Obviously, we have a cat. Mm -hmm. But I've always said, if you were bigger, totally kill us. So I guess that, I didn't realize bobcats were that small. They just seem like slightly larger domestic cats, but very vicious with very <laughs> large mouths and paws. So that's terrifying. Uh, we were talking about the plight of the Leo. Do you uh, want to well, keep going down gonna, the path, or you want to talk about the let's uh, talk about the uh, racial the, stuff? Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more since we were. Kind Are of we gonna going go back to to the Leo thing? Uh, maybe we'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, if you haven't seen the video of the bobcat attack, you should totally look it up. Uh, I think Emmeline has it. And uh, I can I can bring it up here if people want. I don't think you can play it. No, I'm saying I don't think you can play it. Cause yeah. It's another. I don't think you can play it. You can't show other people's videos, can't you? It's it's credited. All They've right, got, fine. it's inside edition, so everybody sees like. Okay, fine. It won't have the sound, but you know. Yeah, that's what it is. I think you can't play the sound. You can kind of see what's going. On. I love the fact that the husband, his name is Happy. 
He Happy grabs it. He grabs the bobcat and then he like throws it. And I also love the fact that it says uh, he goes from Mr. Rogers to Dirty Harry in less than five seconds. If that's not classic America, I don't know what else is. <laughs> and uh, for anyone who didn't know, the bobcat was rabbit, and those poor that poor couple will now have to go undergo something like thirty sh rabies shots or yeah, something, something ridiculous. Crazy. I feel so bad for them. Um, that is not fun. But yeah, he's got it. It's trying to bite at him, and dude throws it. And then I guess they said later on, yeah, he pulls out his gun. They didn't show that part, and he was able to hit it. it I when I first saw this in passing, I thought this guy was just. I didn't. I didn't see it. I just saw it in passing, and I thought this guy was throwing a domestic cat and shooting a domestic cat, and I was like, "What the heck was that?" But um, apparently, it was a bobcat. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just. Pulls his gun right out of like his pocket or something like that. It looked like, or no, he had his, his he had a holster Jesus. underneath the jacket. Good, it looked like pretty good draw there. So, not bad, huh? So, see, he's just in some suburb in the middle of North Carolina. So, come on, you're telling me that you still don't need to worry about wild animals and in, uh, in in suburbia? Uh, these city folks don't even know what they're talking about. And even in cities, you've that got happens. Okay, I want to say Florida, Orlando. We get gators we and have... pools all the time. Not just gators. I mean, we have bears. Yeah, yeah. I have black bears. I had a, a patient who I hadn't seen in years, and then like I ran into her, and I was like, "Oh my god, you moved! I thought you moved to Orlando." And she's like, "I did." Hey, check this out. And she showed me a video on her phone, and it was her neighborhood, and there was I don't know what kind of bear it was because I'm I'm terrible at this stuff. I don't know if it was a brown bear, or black, black bear, bear yeah, black, black bear, bear so, yeah. just by her garbage can, and she doesn't live in the middle of nowhere. She lives in suburbia. So I'm not saying run around shooting bears, but you can live in suburbia. You don't have to live in the boonies and you can still need to defend yourself against a rampaging animal. <laughs> yeah, especially a mama bear. If you don't know that and you walk in and- That happened, that happened at our camp that mm -hmm. I go to, our kids camp. Do you know, I, this was years ago, there was apparently a bear and that was spotted and it's a huge campground. And apparently the camp director was running around or driving around his little golf cart with a switchblade. I don't know what he was planning on doing if he ran into it, but apparently we never saw it again. The not the director, I meant the the bear. <laughs> anyway, the point is, again, once again, guns are not just yeehaw, wow, wow, last pimp style, which I'm just gonna keep saying. Mm -hmm. It is. It does have a practical purpose to it. It's not for. I hate when people use hunting as like the main purpose. It's not for just hunting. That is mm -hmm. a purpose for it. That is not its main purpose. Yep. Moving on. Absolutely. By the way, my gun of choice in uh, Fallout 4, is I've been playing millimeter. Fallout 4, is a 10 millimeter. Mm -hmm. It's a suppressed 10 millimeter pistol that I've uh, tricked out. And just... Ooh, you have a, a red dot sight. And, uh, like... It's actually green. It's a green oh, dot. It's a green dot. I have a green dot on it. By the way, this is a video with game. With a 24 round magazine. Yes, with a 24 round <laughs> magazine. It is huge it's wonderful if we ever do another game uh guns and gaming i will showcase that because it, the game actually came out on game pass xbox game pass so it is free to play well free to play if you have a game pass mm -hmm. and um it's really interesting how it has a you know this huge amount of different weapons some of them realistic some of them well i think it's pretty realistic except for the, the special the ones. ones yeah um and the incendiary stuff that's a little unrealistic well, incendiary ammo, but yeah but not like that yeah explosive rounds and whatnot i mean there's nukes in this game so but um 
I would like to show that the weapon modding, which is pretty cool, and mm -hmm. actually some of it's pretty realistic. So if you like guns and modding guns or you're a gun builder, um, check out Fallout 4 on Xbox Live. With a post-apocalyptic 1950s style aesthetic. Yes, they're, they're, but there is like, if you want to focus on, because there's different ways to play the game. It's very open world. Um, if you really like weapon modding in real life, you can check that out and focus your gameplay on armor modding and weapon modding because it's quite, if you're a gun person, it's quite interesting. Anyway, no, there's no men in black weapons. Uh, uh, well, no, you they've got radiation guns. Oh, that's right, like and they do have the laser guns. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I prefer my good old 10 just millimeter. Walks with a 10 millimeter pistol. I walk around with this 45. Uh, I, I have a rifle too, but yeah. I just don't like it. I feel like my, my 10 millimeter pistol is much more accurate. Mm -hmm. and, and I modded it so much that it's actually just does just as much damage as the weapons, uh, the rifles. But. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. I go with a 45 ACP carbine. It's like a Thompson on steroids, or a, they've got this awesome 5.56 that's not based on the M16 every other game. So I just feel like that ass. would be a great game for guns and gaming. I just oh, yeah, haven't gotten to the point where I fully like upgraded my mods for, or modding abilities. So once I do that, then I think I'll film something. Yeah, definitely you should. OL Oso says, uh, do you think synths should be treated like people? <laughs> I mean, okay, so I've romance. I'm sorry for anybody who's out there who's not a video game person and watches just lose you. Got the segue. So, I've romance. I I like I'm a completionist in video games. Um so I really want to get all my companions. So I've I've romanced Kiri and she's a great partner in the game. And I'm I think I think she's uh she's convinced me that since since our people so I would I would say yes Eloso I I do I do respect since as long as they're like Nick Valentine and Curie as long as they're not trying to kill me oh yeah <laughs> that's I'm true. currently in the process oh I'm not gonna I was about to say currently in the process of romancing someone else who may or may not be a synth but I'm not gonna spoil that spoiler alert uh Kathleen music lover says you get in a 10 millimeter you know what um it is on our it is on our list of things to get because, and once again, uh, 10 millimeter would come in handy. I got the Fallout 4 trailer playing in the background, so anybody I wants see to that. see the aesthetic of how the game looks. It is a really, talk. it's uh, an easy to play game, and again, it has a 1950s post-apocalyptic feel to it. So even if you're a newbie at video games, it is not hard, and you can choose between first person and third person. Um, and it does have political back like a political story behind it so uh if you're a history US person and China going an to alternate war yeah an alternate reality kind yeah. of thing um but yes in reality uh a 10 millimeter would be really helpful if you are concerned about wildlife um being an issue and being you know something if you live in the boonies and you have that around you um, a 10 millimeter would be good option uh mandatory carry says don't mock those laser guns in 20 years those will be the standard i know absolutely well being able to recharge a battery pack absolutely with of... the price of ammo going the way it is <laughs> i would love a laser gun that would be absolutely by the way dog meat that dog wonderful companion as well mm -hmm. anyway <laughs> i'm sorry we digressed but i i once again i you can, I, uh, you can i couldn't stop us i couldn't from, stop it from uh, from going this route mm-hmm so yeah, great game. It's about surviving the nuclear apocalypse and coming out in the future wasteland and seeing how everything played out. This Fallout 4 takes place in Boston. 
So you get to go around and well, Boston and Massachusetts, post-apocalyptic Massachusetts, uh, and it's pretty cool. You fight irradiated zombie creatures, robots, and other people, and you build your own guns. It's actually really cool because you get to see a lot of zip guns. Do a lot of the people your first gun will probably be a zip gun it's gonna yeah. be a pipe pistol you see guns built with pipe uh pipes and plywood and all that stuff so i think i mentioned it earlier a few weeks ago when i was we were talking about um you know gun control reaching its full potential that i think it's a little bit ridiculous that officials think that that will be the ending the end I think people will persevere mm -hmm. you cannot eradicate knowledge well you can but it would take a really long time um, and a lot of oppression, but my point is they can try, but they will not succeed mm -hmm. because I mean, you see stuff like this, this is when I was thinking, I'm like, and, and do we not see when, when they're doing gun buybacks every, oh, yeah. every few, every few months when they do a gun buyback somewhere, some genius makes a zip gun and takes it in and gets 200 bucks for a zip gun. Yeah. So, well, and, it, uh, actually great website, TFB, uh, the firearm blog always does little, um, segments on like ghost guns or zip guns and things like that the other uh that law enforcement find either in the u.s or in other countries and it's crazy to see what guys come up with and all you need is just basic basic tools to be able to do this stuff you know we've seen it where i was just on if you guys caught it a few weeks ago our our best episode yet with uh or at least our most popular episode yet with uh alex control pew uh, you know, he talked about how you can even use, um, you know, you can create your own barrels at this point at home using hardware products, and things like that. So, and, and, um, and we're moving in that direction and we've always been able to, but now with 3d printing and other things like that, we have, uh, way more, way more options to build our own guns and things like that. And that's something that they're not going to be able to stop. It's never been able to be stopped. So, you know, if we see this in other countries, what do you think is going to happen here that we actually have a culture of gun ownership and a lot of people with a lot of expertise in machining and tools and uh, people that like to tinker and feel that they want to work with their hands and build things. That's why I got an engineering degree in the first place. It's because I wanted to work with things um, and actually do physically do things. I love building things, and that's kind of the American spirit. It's not something that we're going to see go away. I don't know how we got here. Uh, the way that we always do, we check out our chat and we. Uh, and we're we talking, talking about, about different oh, subjects. I, I I I created the tangent by talking about the Bobcat. Okay, yeah. let's go to Asian American official advocates gun rights to fight hate crimes. Storing and bearing arms dot com by Tom Knighton. Oh, we met Tom Knighton. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, cool guy. We met him at the Florida Carry event. Want to talk about it a little bit? Go for it. So basically, a Japanese-American local government official is advocating uh, for Asian-Americans to carry guns because mm -hmm. of the increase in anti-Asian hate crimes. Uh, and he's, uh, okay, here's the quote. Um, Michigan chairman is asking state officials to emphasize gun rights in response to anti-Asian violence. Wes Nakagiri, the chairman of Livingston County Board of Commissioners, issued a press release to request that the Michigan Asian Pacific American Affairs Commission, or MAPBAC, update their publication, Michigan Resources Toolkit for Asian Families and Communities to include information about guns. With violence on the rise, I am asking Lansing to make it easier for Asian Americans to protect and defend themselves, Nakagiri said. A Japan Japanese American chairman said the publication should include information on how to acquire a concealed pistol license. By the way, I am always 
shocked and amazed at that the common person doesn't know how to find this or feels like it's a difficult thing to find information about this. And I say this because of you the number lazy. of times... So lazy, I'm Joe. sorry, but it's amazing at yes. how many times I've had... A ch and I don't mind it. If you want to text me and ask me on how to... If you want more information about how to get your concealed carry license in Florida, go ahead. I've, I've, you may text me if you have, you know, for friends and all that and you want to know. I can help you with that. I consider me a resource. But it's always shocking to me at how people see it as this insurmountable thing and it's not that difficult all the information's on the internet it's readily available it has to be yep. illegally has to be now florida has made it very difficult since covid because of nikki freed but that's another story for another day mm -hmm. anyway returning to this it's surprising that this map Act publication places so much emphasis on personal hygiene really really <laughs> i would love to see that while ignoring personal safety said nakagiri I recommend Mapback add information explaining how to apply for a concealed carry, a concealed pistol license, and how to acquire the necessary firearm training to safely handle a concealed weapon. He added. Mapback issued a statement in response saying the commission does not endorse the use of any language that indicates or suggests it condones or encourages violence of any kind. So basically, Mapback, this Asian, Michigan Asian Pacific American Affairs Commission, that's a mouthful, does not want to. Did not like the suggestion. They said, no, thank you. We do not need guns. So this brings me back to what is going on with, I don't want to keep, is it, is it me or is it, I keep going back to bashing the left? Usually you don't. It's usually me. You sound like me today. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's good though. Because I think. I think you bring it up from a different perspective too. You, you kind of. It's, get, you it get comes from frustration it. because. Yeah. I don't understand how you could be pushing a certain and I and I don't mean pushing because it is, you know, things are happening. But you're encouraging a certain I don't know how to say this. You're bringing attention to these issues. Racial tension is rising and in a certain side is is bringing attention to that racial tension. They're basically saying they're after you. Whether you're Asian, whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic. Yeah, perpetuating a negative. Perpetuating yeah, yeah. a negative. You know, and we were talking about this in, in, in media. Yeah, How, that, sometimes I get mad at media because a lot of times instead of trying to show... Like, let's say you'll, let's bring up a scenario. Like you'll you want to talk about the Winter Soldier? I mean, we're not watching well, it. I didn't watch it, but I heard about a scenario where they brought up where basically the police... Went up to Falcon, uh, Falcon and and, uh, and Winter Soldier were having an argument in like some neighborhood somewhere about something, and the police came up and asked, you know, Bucky, the Winter Soldier, if he was having any issues because obviously they're trying to show that well, Falcon is black, so you must be having a problem. You're a white dude arguing with a black guy, and then they're like, oh no, this is the Falcon man. What are you talking about? And then the cops were like, oh my god, we're so sorry. So. I understand what they were trying to do, but sometimes I think you're better off trying to show a positive spin on things. And then instead of trying to show this is the plight of people, let's normalize things. So one of the examples that I use and one of the examples that I've heard that help normalize, let's say, um, uh, I guess the gay movement in the United States was will and grace. You try to show instead of showing a perspective of negative negativity. So let's say showing a show where 
gay characters are constantly oppressed or treated badly. You show a show where gay people and straight people coexist and they have a good relationship. That's what Will and Grace did. So show more shows where everybody's hanging out and having a good time rather than trying to show that a minority is being oppressed or somebody's being oppressed because that almost builds this, it builds a victimhood mentality and a stereotype within the culture. If you have everybody saying, well, if you're a minority, the police are always going to treat you bad or white people now, are always going to treat I you bad. I do understand where like they're that. coming from. Of they want to bring attention to the issue because yes. some people don't believe that it exists. Yes, but sometimes, Racism, and I will say, yeah. I, I will say, I'm sorry if this upsets somebody, but racism does exist. I went through a lot of it when I was growing up. I don't really go through it now because I live in South Florida and Hispanics are the number one demographic. Mm -hmm. So, but I, but I, I think, did experience it quite a bit. So yeah. I know firsthand it does exist. Of course. And we know that, but I think when everybody tries like heavy handed push negativity all the time, instead of trying to show, let's have a show where everybody's positive and they have good relationships. And we normalize this so that, interracial couples mixed people people of all different races is hanging out together that's a normal thing um but also not make it so heavy-handed and mandated but you know i kind of went off on a tangent there but that's what they always try to do they try to promote they try to show these are the negative things going on let's always try to show let's create positive relationships instead show that but they, they want us to be divided Flora attack i appreciate your statement i'm totally going back here he said, I would play games, but all my spare time is obviously spent listening to the Lock and Load of Latinos. We appreciate oh, you. Oh, there you go. Well, we then we'll play you. video games so that you can watch us play video games. We'll play video games on your behalf, yeah. my dear. Um, okay, so my point here is that it makes no sense to me. Because, okay, I have to say I have Asian Americans in my family. That's hard to believe. You can figure it out. But I do have Asian Americans in my family. And some of my Asian American relatives, you can figure it out, hopefully, um, have come to me when, when COVID was going on and things were getting spicy out there and they started getting fearful for their lives and the lives of their children and asked me for help with getting their concealed carry and mm -hmm. picking out a gun and taking, learning how to shoot. And I was very happy to do so. And I support that very much because... They were clearly seeing people they knew or seeing it in the news even before this. Like, I know there's been this recent, hey, Asian Americans are going through the stuff. It's like, I, I was aware of it because, again, I have that in my family. So I was aware that they were feeling mm -hmm. tense about it. Plus, I mean, so their reaction when you know, was. When you know history, even I, I remember I said that to you before anything started i was like well we know the history in this country like what happened to japanese americans after world war ii and even middle eastern people after September i mean 11th. i know this is true people yeah. like would get beat up inconvenienced i'm yeah. sorry so it can happen yeah it was convenience stores yeah. that were owners that typically stereotypically i mean in new york i remember yeah, a lot of those this was a huge are, yeah this was a huge thing in new york where i mean middle look, eastern I, people would get beat up yes. mm -hmm. in their stores because of what happened with 9-11 yeah and I, honestly i have my friends that are asian a lot of them do have businesses that are their parents came to the United States, especially my Vietnamese friends. And a lot of the businesses, they started war laundromats and nail salons. And my friends do work in those businesses. Um, so that happens. You know, a lot of people do have those small businesses. So um, I digress. So. Yes. So it's a thing. So. The reaction naturally should be 
if you're gonna if there's racial tension or you're scared for your life as a you know you're being targeted for whatever like i'm sorry if you don't believe this is true but it happens okay it's true it it happens so because i know some people in every race i know but some people don't believe it's happening and i'm like i'm sorry but it's happening you may not like it or you may not be thinking it's that big a deal but apparently it's been happening. It's not just now. It's been happening. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are tensions like there are tensions. But how can you be pushing or at least emphasizing the racial tension on one hand yourself. and then turning that around and saying, but don't do anything. Be a victim. Yeah. The answer should be there's racial tension or there's go- things going on. You, you know, you're in danger. Then, therefore, you should learn to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. So, how can you have? And it's typically, um, again, I'm sorry, I'm being heavy-handed with the left in this episode, but the left is kind of well, focusing on this. They use that strategy. They yeah. use this, whatever this is. I don't know why, but they're they're focusing on these things, and it's not just Asian Americans. It's they're focusing on you know, identity politics. Identity politics. Yeah, identity Let's politics. just say what it sorry, is. That was, that's the word. Um, and then on one hand, and then coming at you with. But we want gun control. And then on, not I ran out of hands, but on the other hand, yeah. then saying, and on top of the fact that I don't want you to defend yourself, we're also going to get rid of police because police are the problem. Mm-hmm. So now again, I have mixed feelings about police officers. I have good friends who are police officers and I've had really bad experiences with police officers. So I kind of, very difficult. And of course, the whole status thing, like, if you are enforcing non-constitutional or anti-constitutional laws, then I do not support you. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be the kind of law enforcement officer that's going to say, I'm not going to enforce these, these laws and I'm going to protect the people against, let's say, sheriff's offices have said they're going to protect if ATF mm-hmm. agents come. I'm not saying this is happening here, but I'm saying I've heard these stories where sheriffs have said if ATF agents come, we will arrest them because that's anti-constitutional. If you have your head on straight as a sheriff's department, as a police department, and you are doing what is your constitutional duty, then I support you. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say about cops. But it's um, the plight of, I call it the plight of the Leo. Yep. So let's go into the article here. Or the, uh, the chat is also talking... <laughs> On a tangent about uh, guitars. By the way, there is a. There are two guitars. There are two guitars in this they room. Are not, they are not fancy, expensive, or anything like that. They are the starter guitars. So we've got my. These are uh, both left-handed. My Stratocaster. They're left-handed because I am a Southpaw. So I've got a Strat hanging over there, and then I've got I forgot what that is. That's a, another Fender acoustic guitar hanging over side. Kind of our set. Goes over there. Hey Joe, how's it going? <laughs> You can see our layout, and then we've got like a TV and, and my layout here. So you got a little bit of a behind the scenes. But since everybody was talking guitars, I never really got into playing them. I tried. There's actually a fantastic video game, not Rock Band or Guitar Hero. It's called Rocksmith that actually allows you to plug in. It's got like a USB conversion cable that allows you to plug in the, um, the, uh, the audio jack from a guitar into your video game console. It'll actually tell you if you're hitting all the right notes and actually show you everything. And so if you look at my guitars, they've got numbers for each of the frets so that I can align and play the video game and do the frets. I actually got pretty good at one point and was playing with the real guitar, but that was... I actually had... Uh, got into that. 
Joe sold her guitars. I sold my guitars <laughs> like a year ago before or two years ago before I moved out because I have arthritis uh, in my hands. So it was just not working out. He has a ukulele then. I do have a ukulele. The reason why I have a ukulele is because it's much smaller. So I have really small hands and I have arthritis. So it's not quite the effort to move my paws. So maybe one day I will regale you with some ukulele. Maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. So pretty bad. But oh, anyway, uh, we totally digress. We had an article here. So we originally had that art Asian American official article. And then we're moving on to uh, talking about the Leos. You have the Daily Wire open? Uh, yeah, I can bring it up. Uh, article from the Daily Wire says, New York Police Department of officers leaving in droves, 75% increase in quitting or retirement in 2020. I believe that across the board, they were already having, um, statistically, before all this went down, um, from at least in Florida, South Florida, they were having a lot of retirements and a lot of people quitting before this happened because... I, again, once again, I know a lot of people in the local police departments, and I had noticed an uptick in their hiring of new cops. Mm -hmm. So I inquired what's going on, and it was like, yeah, we've got a ton of people retiring. Um, it just happened to coincide. Maybe people weren't really going into, because honestly, it's a job that doesn't pay that great and puts your life on the line. So I could totally understand why it was a career where people were kind of, it used to be a really hot career very competitive career where they usually had to get a four-year degree to get in and that four-year degree is just basically not even necessary now because of how hard it is sorry how hard it is to acquire mm -hmm. people to be interested in this degree so it went from a, a, a career where you had to get a four-year degree criminal justice degree a bachelor's and um then again it was really hard to get the position to basically nobody wants this job now so the article in the Daily Wire says, uh, members of the NYPD grew so disenchanted with their jobs in 2020 that over 5,300 uniformed officers either retired or quit, an astonishing 75% increase over the year before, amounting to 15% of the total number of officers on the force. The impetus for the officers quitting seemed to be the death of George Floyd and the unrest that followed between May 25th and June 24th, 2020, a whopping 272 officers left the force in one month. 2,600 officers quit, 2,746 filed retirement, according to New York Post. 5,346 officers who left the force were nearly 2,300 more than left the force in 2019, etc. So basically, mm -hmm. and I don't blame them. I'm sorry. It's becoming, you can feel whatever you want about cops. I mean, you can feel, I know there's a lot of dissent. <laughs> Clearly our cat doesn't like it. Yeah conversation but um there's a lot of division in the 2a community i have seen it all over instagram uh some are very thin blue line people and some people are like no bootlickers so Mercedes, yeah. you know it is what it is it, it's it's a very divisive um topic it's becoming a very divisive topic a lot of people are getting very upset about you know current events we now had the um Ohio, Columbus, Ohio shooting uh, of 15 year old girl who was having another, yeah, another having girl. a knife fight. She hadn't stabbed anybody yet, yeah. but she was having a knife fight with another girl. I don't know if the other girl had a knife. I'm not sure. I don't know the details. Mm -hmm. I've honestly I think she was unarmed, but yeah, she, I think she was unarmed as well. Um, and then 
you know, LeBron James, so what happened was the police arrived on the scene. I believe the parents or the family members of the girl who had the knife called the cops. The cop gets out of the car, sees the situation. They see two girls fighting, one girl with a knife. She's bearing down on the other unarmed girl. And he decided to open fire, taking the girl out, saving the other girl's life. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a lot of criticism. And that is one of the other articles that we have here where it shows just how difficult it is to be a police officer right now. I, I'm telling you, I, you, know, you, can, you can feel however you want to feel about what's going on. I just wouldn't want to be a cop right now. So I, because there's nothing you can do right. If he had done nothing there, he would have been racist or uncaring because he didn't intervene when somebody else got stabbed. Maybe that other girl would have died. And because he intervened now, it's he can't just, do any right. Yeah. Right now, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But And on top of the whole... Go ahead. Oh, no, I did see, surprisingly, though, that a Democrat congresswoman actually te uh, went up and defended the police officer and said, well, he did what he was trained to do. And that's what... Now, obviously, and those I see, words... I see... Those both. words, her saying he did what he was trained to do, maybe in the full context of what she's saying... It, she might be critiquing the police. I don't know. I need to look up the full context, but I did see that blurb that said Democrat Congresswoman actually, you know, basically said, you know, defended police officers' actions. And it's like, well, I know they can misconstrue that. She, she could, it could be in the middle of a statement of her saying he did what he was trained to do, which is the wrong thing because all cops are terrible. <laughs> or it could be like he did what he was trained to do and he saved somebody's life. And, uh, you know, I believe that's what she meant. Yeah. Um, Night Train just mentioned LeBron James. I saw uh, that, yeah. I was about to mention that you know, LeBron James was real quick. Nowadays, people need to chill before throwing their opinion out there yep. because he didn't know, probably didn't know the details of it because the first thing that I saw when I opened up Twitter was it was another shooting. It was a 15-year-old girl and somebody yelled, Blue Lives Matter. I don't well, know the I details well, of it. I refuse to make a statement on anything if I don't know the details well, of it. I remember if, if we want to actually put it out there, we actually heard about it because we were talking with Jay and, and, and KD about, you know, we we're talking about Train and Learn is coming up at the at By the way, if, if, if you're interested I don't know in, if you can still get tickets for it. I think you I can. I think you can. I have it open. I had it open. Tony, if you know. Uh, you I know look, Tony did a... look that up, I'll finish the story. So... I, we were talking with Argo J and Katie on the phone and Kevin Dixie on the phone about this guy named about Train and Learn. Well, it, but it was about this story because I remember Jay brought it up. Oh my gosh, you know, police officer shot this young girl, and Katie was Katie was like, "Whoa, we got to see a second here. Like, what's the you story?" You can you can still uh you can still yeah. So and it was the that. perfect example of that that you know uh Argo Jay read the first story that came up and it came from the parents' perspective. Oh, the police officer came out and just shot unprovoked and then as we started talking more about this like man that sounds like a terrible story can't believe that would have happened that way then you know we started reading more katie came back and it's like well now we've got a different story that you know looks like this young girl was going to stab another girl and so that's how it was even within the span of the 15 minute conversation that we were having the uh the entire story it was changed. developing yeah. so it's really silly to just jump on jump twitter on and lebron james in case you don't know, went ahead and posted a picture of the police officer and said, you're next. Yeah, basically threatening his safety at a minimum. Uh, you know, he, I'm sure that he'll say, well, you're next is in. You're going to go to jail for doing that. But, you know, and nowadays that's that's a threat. You know, it, it's Listen, a threat. Things Whether happen. Whether it's violence or not, things, or people will Bad things that are way. happening. I'm not going to deny it. Bad things are happening. Bad things have happened. Yep. However, 
you should never jump and make a statement before knowing all the facts. Exactly. Just the facts, ma'am. Wait for the facts to come out. Yep. That's all I'm saying. Yep. And but especially... we didn't mean to talk about this. We were talking about how it's really hard to be yeah. like, why would you want to be a cop right now? I would not be a cop. Well, like, I have a friend who is a cop is, and I have just yeah. like, I have encouraged him. You know what? You should get out. And, you know, unfortunately, if you're close to retirement or you have a good position, he's in the higher up. He's like, I'm not going to do it because I have a good position. So I'm like, I still don't, I don't think I would care. I would be looking into what I can do with my life, get a career change. I'm having a career change right now. It's never too late. Yep. And, and honestly, we also need to separate, you know, those of you that might be pro-law enforcement, you need to separate what's going on in some of these major cities with what's going on in your area. If you have a good police force, you have a sheriff that you vote for, that you have some control of the community, maybe you have relationships with your local law enforcement, and you know they're on the straight and narrow, that's fine. Don't take it personally, and they shouldn't take it personally. And you know your community, the people in your community probably have a good relationship with your law enforcement, and you're probably happy with them if you if you got no complaints. So those police shouldn't take it personally unless people out of nowhere start showing up and like going after these small town like sheriffs that haven't done anything that would be messed up. But, you know, it's it's not our responsibility what's going on in the cities. The people in the cities vote for and get what they deserve ultimately. And a lot of them are victims of the political machines that are going on. But too many people, again, are too passive. And it may unfortunately take crime skyrocketing in their cities to start realizing we need to get rid of gun control restrictions, even though the left is going to use that to push the, just the opposite. Or we need responsible police officers that are accountable instead of completely getting rid of law enforcement. Because... Oh, excuse me. As much on the libertarian side, we might, I might be personally on certain issues. You can't deny that there are just certain crimes where we can't just be solo vigilantes running around. You know, let me go in this libertarian paradise where there's no law enforcement now. But, you know, my stuff gets stolen while I'm at work and I don't know who stole it. What am I going to do? I got to go question everybody myself, take time out of my day to do that potentially get shot by somebody else or something like that or what if my i have a daughter she gets raped or something like that i can't call the police so i have to start going around kicking down doors being a vigilante i mean a society like that would not necessarily function let's be perfectly honest so we have to be realistic also i'm waiting i mean things. i understand I love, my, I love my libertarian friends love my voluntarists i know a lot of them will get mad at me for saying stuff like that but in order to be a critical thinker, even if you can persuade me that that's the way we need to go, we at least need to ask those questions. And sometimes the answers are not going to be things that you want to hear for or against. There is a reason why we have certain institutions. A lot of them started as an innovation of society, and then they became corrupted or perverted from their original viewpoint. The Constitution is one of those things. You know, We've seen that. The interpretations of the Second Amendment and the First Amendment have changed over the years. So but there was a reason why it was instated. So sometimes we can't go too far away from, well, what was the point of police in the first place? Why did people decide that having police or law enforcement would be a useful thing, aside from them being state agents that go around basically collecting revenue for the state? I know that's what a lot of my libertarian friends will come out and say. That's essentially all that they do. Well, I think a lot of times they started as peacekeepers, to be honest with you. Didn't I just have this conversation with you? I was doing something and I said that, what was it? That I felt like, uh, oh, oh, I was telling you the story of how I've had bad experiences with cops. So I was actually, um, 
telling Jay this story, I think, and I and I was telling him why I actually don't. I'm very conflicted because I have friends who are cops and have had very mm-hmm. bad experiences with cops. I got pulled over one time for a DUI when I hadn't been drinking. The guy refused to do. I was like, I'm not drinking. Um, just happened to be coming out of a you know i was actually post-college i was visiting a friend who i went to college with in the party section of miami and i got pulled over um and he said i think you've been drinking i said well go ahead and do a breathalyzer and he refused and i'm like well then i can walk the straight line what do you want me to do and he was just like no i'm just gonna tow your car I'm like why would you tow my car he's like it's basically i felt like the guy just basically felt like he he could take advantage of me and, and you know, he probably had a, the, the police department probably had to deal with the tow company. And no matter what I said, and I got really pissed. And this yep. wasn't like the shadiest part of Miami. That's again, that's revenue collection. So that's BS that cops can't. I'm surprised in. I and he Fourth Amendment violation went through my purse. Uh think I mean this is years and years ago. Uh, they have a lot of discretion though. If police suspect if a police suspects things, then they they're allowed to treat me like crap. Your rights, treating me like a, a criminal. That's bullshit. I was. I think that was the moment. That day was the moment that I was just shocked at how badly things could go. Like he treated me like dirt. He mm-hmm. made me like he just yelled in my face. It was like just just I just felt like I was on like I'm either a crier or I get angry. And this particular day, I got angry. So he took my car after treating me like crap and. uh I had to pay, it was like, by this point, it was like one in the morning. The, the, the whole process took so long and I couldn't believe this. I'm like, I am now, it is like 12 o'clock or one in the morning in the shadiest part of Miami and you took my car and then the guy had the balls to say, you want to ride. I just remember turning around, flicking him off with both hands and saying, <laughs> go F yourself. <laughs> and that felt really good, by the way. I'm, so, not, I'm not one to curse. Yeah. Um, but I just could not believe, I'm like, I'm telling him, Go ahead, take me to the station, do the breathalyzer. Wouldn't do it. You know why? Because he knew I wasn't drinking. Yep. So it's like, to That's me, it was like... against yours. So what Tony was saying about bad cops. Yes, bad cops do exist. Yep. And they get protected. And once again, it's just because it's a government thing. It's like, it's all bureaucracy, government. You, th- you don't think there's bad politicians or shadiness in there? Of course there is. Mm-hmm. But people watching out for each other's backs... You know, it's just not a clean, and I think that's true for many industries. It's of just, course, it is. Once again, it boils down. I think I the boil everything is, down to. Um, they they have power that other people don't, so that kind of corruption yeah. within the Any, industry anytime, makes it much worse. Anytime yeah. I boil anything down, it's always it boils down to human nature and the, you know, the good versus evil and the desire for power. That's what it is. You're never going to get rid of bad behavior because then we wouldn't be human. Yeah. So, yeah, ultimately, I'm for taking away government power. I think police officers should really only be peacekeepers. They should deal with violent crimes. And By the way, I didn't like get a DUI. He just towed my car because yeah. obviously he couldn't prove. I mean, I really wasn't drinking. I'm not a drinker. <laughs> I don't like alcohol. Just like I don't like the smoke, of the smell of weed. I don't like alcohol. Whatever. That's how it is. I just. Um, but yeah, so that's how it can be. And, and, and. You know, it's also about eliminating eliminating opportunities for abuse. So if you eliminate certain laws that need to be enforced that are very stupid, then you need then police officers also are not put in a position where they look like a-holes or they have to behave like a-holes for obviously doing something like parking tickets, things like that. 
I get it. It's for convenience, but it comes down to revenue. That's what I was Speeding saying. The, tickets, Sims, the same situation yeah, that happened. I realized climbs, it was all that stuff. You were just making money. You're probably getting a kickback. Yes. You have a certain number. I heard that. I don't know if this is true. I have to ask my. I've never had cops. quotas and things quotas. like that. I yeah. think they do have they quotas. They deny that, but they've, it's been proven. It's been proven many times that a lot of police stations do have quotas. They're illegal, but they don't care because ultimately, who's enforcing the laws anyway? So unless the feds or, or internal affairs or somebody gets involved with that or state law enforcement investigate, those things get away with. Because again, how do you how do you supervise the supervisors? Can't. That's the whole point. Um, so that's again, that's why the Second Amendment exists. It comes down to that. It comes down to accountability, your last resort. We can always get back to the Second Amendment when we talk about anything, because it comes down to accountability and the lack thereof. So when you give a human power, whether they're good or bad, actually, here's another segue that uh, Captain America or Falcon and the Winter Soldier talked about because there was a line, a question at one point where I'm going to spoil some things. I didn't watch. I don't care. This is kind of from comics too. Falcon obviously is going to become Captain America at some point. I didn't see the finale of the show. I'm sure that he did. Um, we haven't been watching the show at all. But. He's not superhuman. We know that. We know that from the start. So one of the questions that this person, I think one of the antagonists asks Falcon is why don't you take the superhero serum to become like the original Captain America? And he says to this person, it doesn't just emphasize like make you super strong. It emphasizes all of your qualities. So if you're good, you will become better. If you're bad, you'll be bad. So that's him admitting to himself, I'm a flawed human being. I don't think that I, I don't necessarily think that taking the serum would result in me being a good person all the way. He's like, I don't think I'm that righteous. So to get to that point is, it's kind of the point of, you even have some people that are that are genuinely pretty good, decent people, but if you put them in positions where they can oppress power, go on a power trip, a lot of times they will be corrupted. So it is better to prevent people from having certain power at all uh, even if you can see some of the benefits of it, because it's like people look at a dictatorship. There are a lot of benefits to a dictatorship. You can get things done right away. You don't have to ask anybody else. You can just do whatever you want, and you can say, all right, my way or the highway, we're going to build this bridge. We're going to go to war over here. We're going to attack these people, or I'm going to help the people, and we're not going to wait for Congress to approve it. And a lot of times, benevolent big dictators, that's how they get into power, because people see, oh, one person can solve my problems. I don't have to worry about these cronies. I don't have to worry about bureaucrats or everybody else. So it is just human nature to use that power and you try to wield it righteously. It doesn't matter because even if you're a good person, you might use that to do good. There will be always be somebody else that will be like, man, why would I do this? I can totally benefit from being a corrupt uh, police officer or government official. That's why it is. It will always happen. So in order to limit the damage, you just give as little power as possible. So that if somebody does decide to be corrupt, it's not going to be a life-threatening issue. So peacekeepers. Yeah, peacekeepers, if that's what you want. And then encourage everybody to own guns and encourage everybody that we live in a society with consequences and personal responsibility. And it will take some time because, unfortunately, many people in the society that we live in today are not very smart. Uh, they lack common sense. So if we lead to a more responsible society, a lot of people are going to suffer at first because they are not going to know what to do. But after a couple of generations, this is where I, I am more with my libertarian friends. 
You allow people to do stupid things. You give them the freedom to do certain things. This is where a lot of conservatives have issues. You legalize certain substances. You allow people to do certain things so that they learn the consequences. The difference is you don't give them the safety net afterwards. So you say, you can do stupid stuff. I'm not going to pay for your health insurance. I'm not going to pay for your welfare if you decide to do something stupid. And if you decide to overdose on drugs, I think you let people suffer the consequences of that sometimes and you don't pay for it. Because then eventually people start learning, man, you know, if I do these really stupid things, I'm either going to die or nobody's going to help me if I do them. So eventually you don't have to make them illegal. People self-regulate. You will always have a percentage of people that are dumb or don't care that will do dumb things. But if you make the consequences, essentially nobody's going to help you for those things that you choose to do. I'm not saying that if you had a disability or you got hurt or you fell into bad health and it was not your fault that people shouldn't be there to help you. We have charities. We can have some welfare systems. If you want to throw some things in there, I believe that we need to encourage more charity and to help one another and have more empathy on an individual basis rather than relying on the government to give us this artificial empathy. I think that's a mistake that a lot of uh, liberal people make or they also, they I think it's, it's liberal people. I'm sorry. Once again, me bashing the left. I'm sorry. Um, they like to say, they like to use their mouth to talk about charity and doing good, but how many of them actually do anything? Yes, good? A lot of people don't actually do charity. Yes. You should, if you put your money where your mouth is, if you believe in doing good things and if you believe in paying it forward, Instead of relying so much on the government doing these things, you should be making an example of yourself and you should be volunteering. What's the hokey phrase? They say, be the change that you want to be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I, exactly. I'm one of those people. I feel, and I have always felt this way since I was mm -hmm. a little kid. Um, and I have been all over the place when it comes to my belief systems. When I was younger, I was an animal rights activist and I did a ton of volunteering with animals. I, I still, you know, up until recently, I was doing volunteering with uh, sea turtles. I one, volunteered. One of, my, one of my first dates with Joe was her saying, so I, I rescue sea turtles is like one of my side things. It's one what? of my hobbies, yeah. <laughs> so I was actually licensed to. So I went it's, in the training, went with her, and we rescued sea turtles that hatch out of nests to make sure they don't walk into the road and all that stuff. It was stuff, actually so. a very dangerous uh, thing to do because it's basically I would stay up on the beach until like it, it's very organized. So it's part of a, a program and you have to get licensed or, or trained through someone else's license. Cause sea turtles in Florida, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're endangered. endangered. Yeah, some species so you actually. can't touch them. But, um, basically the problem is that the municipalities don't actually follow the laws that they're, they're in place. So during sea turtle hatching season, they have to turn off the lights of certain wavelengths because it actually causes, uh, baby turtles to go away from the water and go towards the street and they die. Yeah, they rely on the reflection of usually the moon or something. Yeah, so the, the volunteers like me, we were a group of volunteers and I did this for five years. Um, you would basically sit on the beach and you would get these, you know, GPS and data from, you know, and hatch dates and all this stuff from the universities because we have a ton of marine programs down here, marine biology programs and it was Nova and Miami and mm -hmm. a bunch of other schools. FIU probably had something to do with it too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would get your assignment for the night and basically you'd be like, okay, from, the nesting areas. from two yeah. to five, you're on um, nest number 113 uh, located on this street and you would just go and hope your car doesn't get towed because yay, yay yeah. South Florida and mm -hmm. <laughs> towing cars is what we do apparently. Um, and you, uh, 
you just basically sit on the nest and sometimes nothing happens and sometimes you get to watch the wonder volcano of, of sea turtles exploding from the sand did you ever get to see it yeah well, I, we, I was there one time we collected a few and turned them yeah and right then away. you know yeah. basically uh you have to collect data and and also if they're going the wrong way you have to turn them around and also anybody that's looking sick or laggy you have to collect them in your bucket and if they're sick and you have to like they teach you how to and I'm, why am i going down this path but anyway it was it was an interesting segue <laughs> yes uh it was a beautiful experience so yeah. i i love volunteering i volunteer with animals i volunteered at the uh wildlife care center for when i was young much younger uh i volunteer with kids obviously i talk about that medical kids um kids with, with medical issues uh, i've been doing that for 15 years 14 years like that mm -hmm. and no matter where life takes me i will always find uh volunteering to be part of my life i but think moral, i did the moral of the story is you should don't, find don't advocate for the government to do things that you should be doing yourself and that you can do better to help your community and to volunteer and no matter what it is you could just be into whatever you know you want to do big brothers big sisters you want to you know volunteer to if you love guns volunteer to be an educator yeah, for kids. Youth, a youth, yeah, a youth shooting educator, yeah. yeah. There's definitely room for roles of doing good. And if you believe in karma, I'm, I mean, I don't know what I believe in. I'm, grew up Catholic, but. Um, just good energy, positive energy. I just believe in anything, you know, balancing out life, you know. So I try to do as much good as I can because I feel like, even if it's not about my soul, it's just like, I just want to do as much good as I can out there. <laughs> Sorry, I just got mad, you know, like, yeah, no, no, but it's true. Stuff, but, but. but the problem is we do see too many people. And I think that's what people think that they don't want to volunteer or do things themselves. And you don't have to have a halo, Burnaby. I'm not saying everyone needs to go hang out at the beach. No, no, no. For baby <laughs> sea turtles. But um, no, we're just saying in general that too many people, especially we see they ask for the government to do everything. They want the government to do everything for you to help everybody. And they're like, well, I pay my taxes. And it's almost like uh, I compare it to like giving a tithing at church and thinking that that absolves you of all of your sins if you want to come up with like a religious equivalent. And I feel like too many people feel that way that, well, if I believe in social welfare programs and I pay my taxes, that means that I'm helping society. And if I believe in those things, I'm willing to pay more taxes, then that makes me a good person. It's like, no, that doesn't mean anything because do you know where that money is going and how incompetently the government is spending it. You are better off giving it to a charity or better yet, volunteering at that charity yourself and actually doing something. And then people see like, oh my gosh, you put your money where your mouth is. It's the truth. Uh, it has to do, you know, all of this stuff, even advocacy, you know, get involved, do something, get involved with these uh, companies instead of, you know, complaining, well, these politicians aren't voting. It's like, well, what are you doing something to help? Are you contributing to different organizations or getting the word out or volunteering where you can to try to create a pro second amendment uh you know tony tony mentality. in the chat is a perfect example yeah of a diversity shoot that he has is awesome especially in new jersey you need that um program it how many times have we said that you know taking people to the range and education is the number one thing that you can do to change minds and hearts so what Tony does is invaluable in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, and that and actually helps because this goes back. I don't know if Kathleen is still in the chat, but she brought up earlier. How do we deal with people who are run entirely on emotions by doing things like this, getting involved in the community, showing people that, uh, you know, even if it's not two initiatives, that even shows more. 
because how many people would expect that somebody that was a two-way advocate would also be somebody that would have volunteered with children with with medical conditions at a camp and you know rescue sea turtles in the ocean and it's like oh yeah we also like to shoot stuff and we don't think the hunting is evil like uh, how many people that's a contradiction that people need to see so let people know that you volunteer at your church or that you help out with kids or that you do all this stuff my point is that also and, people are just like i don't want to say they're hypocritical but they don't put where their money where their mouth is and it's like and stop talking so much caca and yeah. actually do something positive and whether it, it could be an organization or i know like jara mm -hmm. um clearing the chamber she does a lot of stuff where she's like a mentor for kids one-on-one. -on -one, and mm -hmm. I think that's so admirable too. And it also shows that like, you know, we have so many stereotypes about what is a gun owner. They're like some bloodthirsty, uh, you know, person, uh, uh, person from the boonies, that, uh, you know, some hillbilly person from the boonies that all they do is care about. All I care about is hunting, have my AR 15 and that's about it. And, and, you know, shooting stuff all the time, you know, Break through those stereotypes. Show that we are every man and woman in this country because that's the truth. There are more than 400 million guns in this country. Maybe up to you know 40, almost 50% of this country are gun owners, adults. So that is a huge percentage. And to have such a huge percentage and have people who are anti-gun accept these stereotypes is so ridiculous because think about that. Like you're in your own community. If like 40% of people are gun owners, what are they going to be? They're going to be like 40% of like only one type of person. That's impossible because even within each race demographic and uh, economic, you know, uh, stature or, or, or whatever you want to say, uh, economic um, uh, platform, you have different people that behave differently. Just because we're Hispanic doesn't mean we're going to be like every Hispanic or every Hispanic in our, you know, that does what we do that's in healthcare or that's an engineer or anything like that or that grew up the way that we did everybody has different circumstances so we have to break through those stereotypes show that we are members of the community that we do other things and that's what we try to do on our podcast too that we show we're all about gun rights and freedom but we play video games we talk about pop culture it's to normal again we're trying to normalize gun culture and normalize gun ownership and that's why when I see like Ted Nugent on you, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. When We're doing I see, NRA stuff, yeah. Yeah, if I see Ted Nugent as a representation, and I'm sorry, he might be your person. Yeah. You know, I know he does stuff where he hunts and gives people the meat, and that's great. But if I'm a, let's say I'm a Latina who is a entry-level gun person, and I go on NRA or USCCA or whatever your organization is, and I see Ted Nugent as the face of that, I'm going to be like, yeah, he doesn't really inspire anything in me because I don't really see myself with him. And, you know, I want to mm. see, like, Gabby Everybody. Franco. I want to see, like, a random per I want to see Tony. I want to see Jay. I want to see Mosh. I want to see, like, uh, Diane. I want to see yeah, whatever. Robin do, Sandoval, yeah. random housewife. Like, show me the different stories. I don't want to see Yeehaw. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> West pimp style. I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep bringing it back. Well, yeah, and you um, want you you want the hunters cater. of America don't represent all of the gun industries. My point. It's not about the yeah. Wild Wild West pimp style, yeah. but um, the show, show all the show different the, faces. show the different faces, and that's why I actually want to call Robin and I want to really bring her on the show because mm -hmm. I think that's an important side, the mom side, the 
sister side, the dad side, the I just want to defend yep. myself because I'm scared of crime rate going up. You know, it's like it's or I'm an Asian American like Top Shot Chris. I applaud him for having the courage to go and speak in, in, in D.C. about, you know, why he's a gun owner and why he supports that. And he's in Pink Pistols. And that's a beautiful thing. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think that we need to. And that's why we encourage every <laughs> Tony in the chat. Well, well, pimp style is for everyone. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. I encourage everyone out there. If you don't feel like you are important enough or have anything to say, you do. Yep. You need to. Be vocal about it. You need to be your f the face of the 2A. You're the face of gun guns in America. Yep. Don't be afraid not to be. You are the face of guns in America. Yep. It's Do all it. Of us. Talk about it. It's all of us. It's mm -hmm. not just celebrities. It's not just hunters. It's not just, you know, three gunner. You are the face of America. Do it. And I think that's a good way to end our thoughts here and go uh, to our closeout, which is our Constitution segment. I don't even have it open. I know. Well, it, these two hours went quick. I, I actually didn't I'm think we we're going to make it starving. to two hours. I feel like I didn't eat dinner, but I think I did, right? Oh, you really didn't. I'm like, I'm shaking. Look, I made food for myself and did all that stuff. You barely ate anything. Um, I'm going to make myself some. Obviously, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not going to make mash. Uh, you have a lot of pizza. I don't want pizza right now. <laughs> I want mashed potatoes, and I want my. I'm going to make some fake meatloaf Ooh. or something very similar to that, because that's what Tony was having, and he mentioned it like an hour ago and I haven't stopped thinking about it. <laughs> so without further ado, we're going to do like our food. constitution segment today. We are on article. Uh, we're still on article one. I believe we're on section six. So that's not too bad. It's two paragraphs. So Joe will not be in bad shape today. Then I can go have my mashed potatoes. Yes. Then you can go have your mashed potatoes. Awesome. So without further ado, here is article one, section six of the U S constitution. Uh, the senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services to be ascertained by law and paid out by the Treasury of the United States. They shall, in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same. And for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. No senator or representative shall, during the time for which he was elected, be appointed to any civil office under the authority of the United States, which shall have been created or the annulments whereof have been in increased during such time. And no person holding any such office under the United States shall be a member of either house during his continuance uh, in office. Artículo 1, sección 6. Los senadores y representantes recibirán por sus servicios una remuneración que será fijada por la ley y pagada por el Tesoro de los Estados Unidos. En todos los casos, exceptuando los de traición, delito grave y perturbación del orden público, gozarán del privilegio de no ser arrestados durante el tiempo que asistan a las sesiones de sus respectivas cámaras, así como al ir a ellas o regresar de las mismas y no podrán ser objetos en ninguna otra, en ningún otro sitio de inquisición alguna con motivo de cualquier dis discusión o debate en una de las cámaras. A ningún senador ni representante 
se nombrará durante el tiempo por el cual haya sido elegido para ocupar cualquier ejemplo civil que dependa de los Estados Unidos que haya sido creado o cuyo emurumentos hayan sido aumentados durante dicho tiempo y ninguna persona que ocupe un cargo de los Estados Unidos podrá formar parte de la Cámara mientras continúa en funciones. All right. And there we go. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you so much for watching the show. We've got a couple of things coming up. Uh, obviously, we talked about Train and Learn coming up in... Oh, in we never finished talking about it. There are tickets yes. available for Train and Learn. If you go to uh, nootherchoice.com, I believe is the website. Yeah, I am correct. Nootherchoice.com. Um, you can go to... Bring it up here so that people can see it. I'm already on the webpage, so I'm trying to see how you go there. So you go to noothertoys.com and my internet. Come on, come on, come on. You go to right at the top. On the top uh, is NOC Train and Learn. Go ahead and click that link. You're going to find the details of uh, Kevin Dixie's NOC Train and Learn Strengthening the 2A Community. It is an event, a three-day event in May, from May 28th through the 31st. That is Memorial Day weekend, uh, where you'll be learning things like shooting and becoming a better i'm this, sorry uh, shooting great at this shooting becoming a better advocate yeah yes. there will be shooting there will be learning how to become a better advocate learning to use social media uh learning to use tools such as youtube and etc how to become a speaker how to basically a lot like yes. and there are going to be a lot of great people there tony's going to be there argo jay's going to be there obviously Kevin Dixie's going to be there. He's are headlining we, it. Are we going to be there? Yes, the Locked and Loaded Latinos are going to be there, and we will be doing some podcasting work there. Uh, Katie told us that, you know, wants us to do our show stuff from there. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, the show, I don't know, depending on how it is, I don't know if we'll be live. We're definitely going to do a lot of recorded uh, stuff, and we're going to have a lot of recorded content. I feel like we the might show be must traveling go on. back. We might be traveling back that Sunday, though. No, we know. That. Well, because the train to learn is over that Sunday. No, it's not. It's on. Uh, our tickets will be. So twenty seventh, twentieth to the thirtieth. The thirtieth yeah, is that Sunday. Yeah, that's on Monday. Thirtieth is uh, Sunday. Yes, but uh, we'll be traveling back on Monday. Well, we don't know what the schedule is. I'm already telling know. you, it's Monday. I know, I know. We'll we'll, we'll be having okay. a show. We're arguing right now on, on live air. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, it's because we don't know how good our internet's going to be. We might not be able oh. to pull a live show. Oh. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know what the internet situation is going to be because hotel Wi-Fi can be bad. And unfortunately, until you hit a thousand subs, you cannot live stream from a cell phone. Um, so yeah, Tony's going to be having a class, a forty-five minute class on becoming an advocate from Tony. There you go. So the uh, the class is three hundred and fifty dollars. I think it comes up to three hundred eighty-two for a three-day class from a bunch of really, really awesome uh, firearms instructors, advocates. Uh, people who have had great success in becoming an advocate. So like I was saying on the show, if you are interested in becoming an advocate, just like we did a year ago and decided, hey, we're going to just jump into it. And you really want to make that push to get, you know, gain more confidence or get more uh, tools in your toolbox. This is a great event for you. Cost, low cost, three day mm -hmm. event, experts in the field. Do it. Yep. So uh, we'll be there and hopefully uh, we'll see you guys there too if you decide to go. Tickets are still available. So it'll be awesome. But thanks again, everyone, for watching and sticking around to uh, episode 41 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure that we're going to have guests in the next couple of weeks before Train and Learn. 
But if not, you know, hey, we do what we do no matter what. So we'll we'll let you know if we've got anybody special coming up or if we make any other appearances uh, like we do on other shows. I was on Hank Show on Friday with Alex from Control Pew again. Another great conversation. I recommend checking it out. He shows off some more cool stuff that he's uh, planning on printing. He's actually trying to develop a 3D printed suppressor right now. And it's uh, modular and it looks like it's user serviceable. So go ahead and check out that episode of Hank Strangers. I know. Who Who Moved My my Freedom? freedom. The Who Moved My Freedom podcast from last Friday. Uh, Great episode. Uh, Even more insight on 3D printing and all that stuff. So thanks a lot, everyone. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, mostly share. We appreciate you. Yes. Have a wonderful weekend, guys. Oh, end of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Have a great week. (laughs) Unfortunately, the weekend's (laughs) over. All right. Thank you so much again, everyone, and have a great evening.